Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of our wrestling podcast. So without further ado, the following contest is scheduled for one fall, and today's topic, overhyped and failed gimmicks. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Butters along with Jess. Hi. And Cuz. Hey, what's up, buds? Giving you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling from a pure fan standpoint. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, overhyped and failed gimmicks. I got to tell you guys, when I started uh, thinking about this topic, I... We started picking some some characters that I really wasn't familiar with. It got me a little uneasy. There were some times where I wasn't watching wrestling, and for good reason. There was some bad wrestling out there at, at times. But when we started talking about this a little more and getting a little more in-depth, it got really exciting and a lot of fun. Uh, we're basically going to take uh, a good four to five uh, major gimmicks that were really pushed. I mean, we're talking push with money, push with TV time. Uh, something that I, you're sure that the people in control, the Vincent Manns, the Eric Bischoffs of the world at the time, whoever it may be, they were sure that this stuff was going to work and it couldn't have been worse. And, and that's what makes it so amazing to, to talk about. So, um, by the way, guys, do you, do you have anything you want to talk about when it comes just to overhyped and failed gimmicks and the topic of today? Jess, what do, what do you have on that before we get started? I think the important thing to remember is it's it's their intention was to put money into these gimmicks and they did put money into these gimmicks because they really were like, no, you need to be good. You need to be, you know, upper, upper middle card at least. And I think, uh, that's the key. And so we chose, we chose five people that they really pushed, like you're going to do something for us. And then it just totally fell apart because there's a lot of, you know, things like, uh, Isaac Yankum, right? Like, you know, before he was Kane, he was Isaac Yankum, the evil dentist. And they literally just brought him in as like the stupid dentist gimmick and brought him in and to feud with Brett for like two months or whatever. And there was no money put into him. He sure. came out in a stupid little like, you know, dentist outfit. He went to good all that stuff. And, yeah. So but that was that that gimmick doesn't count is my point. I'm trying to make an example of what doesn't count because, yeah, I mean, there was no money put into it. It wasn't meant to be a big deal. But these ones that we're going to talk about. You know, they had they had money put into them or tons of vignettes like to where it was like, no, we're pushing you like a big star. And then the result just completely shit the bed. Yeah. And in hindsight, some were like, what the fuck were you thinking? Because what do you have to add on that? I would like to add uh, honorable mention for overhyped uh, gimmicks that failed. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Two words. Well, sorry. Two names. Hulk. Hogan. They'll be trying to you, drink. Dude, you gotta stop that shit, bro. You're gonna piss some people off. They're gonna come and shit in hey, your shoes. I'm hey, just I've telling admitted, you. I've, I admitted on our first episode that I love the Hulkster. I just like my brother. Bro, yeah, you know, not everybody likes a troll, bro. They're kind of ugly and they hide under bridges. But anyway, I don't. On I'm <laughs> right, scarred. Right. Well, you are ugly, so That's you know. Fine. We just we'll we'll send pictures. We'll put a vote on our YouTube channel at. 
you know, the OWC, our wrestling channel. Just give it a search on that and you'll find us. Moving on to our first overhyped gimmick, guys. Uh, this one I didn't I didn't know about. I'm a little ashamed, but this was the time where I really wasn't watching wrestling, as I had said. Uh, but getting to know this particular gimmick, it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible um, how this happened with and you guys know what I'm talking about. We're talking about the Kiss Demon. Some of you know about the Kiss Demon. Some of you do not. And, and I think just to give you a little bit of backdrop before we can get into the Kiss Demon, which I know that Jess is going to just go right into and give us some great insight. we got to talk about the man behind the Kiss Demon. And really, you can't start that without talking about Dale Torberg. Dale Torberg uh, is <laughs> kind of kind of interesting. He's he used to play professional baseball, but never got past the minor league level and eventually got into professional wrestling. A little sidebar on that. He actually got – he took a fastball to the face in the minor leagues, and that ended his baseball career. And that's how he kind of got into wrestling. He he basically met up with Hogan and Savage, uh, and they, they spoke. He said, you got you to get into wrestling, brother. You know, that's I, I'm sure Hogan and Savage, like, brother, you got to do it. You know, you got to get into wrestling. But it feels like they said it to everybody at one point. Um, he did some debut in WCW and did some pit crew work, um, went to the power plant. And he actually worked in the American Wrestling Federation as the MVP, you know, which was a baseball player character. And then eventually he got into WCW back in in 98 and became the demon. But what's really interesting about the demon and Kiss, before before he became the demon... Somebody else was the demon. And and Jess, who was that? Talk about who the demon was before that. Talk about the kiss gimmick. Talk about where it was coming from. Talk about why it happened. And and tell us about how crazy the amount of money that went into this and why. And, and at the end of the day, we can talk about why it failed. So WCW in 1999 was going down the toilet. And I'm going to be graphic here. I can only equate... This to you know when you're taking a, a number two, right on the toilet, and it the main part's coming out. It's coming out. It's already outside. Like it's already seen. You know, it's already touched air, and but it hasn't dropped yet. It has not splashed in the water yet. That was WCW in WCW. 1999, and 2000 was the you know breaking of the from the asshole and falling right into the toilet. That was 2000. But in 1999, it was you can't do anything. You know you can't. Once it comes out, you can't reverse it. It's coming out. And that's just what WCW 1999 was. Sorry if that's a little too graphic, but that's exactly what WCW was in 1999. They probably fell harder and faster of any, not just wrestling promotion, but any business I've ever heard of, any kind of public business that I've heard of. I mean, they just, Jesus, they went from this wave of NWO in 1996 and 1997 and making cable ratings and breaking pay-per-view ratings with, you know, Starcade 97, Hogan versus Sting and did all, and then gold, they got lucky with Goldberg and Goldberg kind of carried him through 98 and they were still on fire in 98. And then a lot of bad decisions towards the end of 98, just predetermined what 1999 was going to be. So by August the 23rd, 1999, which is uh, an episode of Monday Nitro live from Las Vegas, the MGM Grand Arena, they had hired Kiss, the band Kiss, to perform. On a personal note, I'm getting ready to say the words that I've always wanted to say since I first heard this group back in 1976. So it's my honor to say this. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go for it, fans. All right, Las Vegas. You one of the best. 
You got the best, the hottest man in the world, Kiss! I, I'm going to repeat that because I think I need to because people probably didn't hear me. The fucking band Kiss was hired by WCW and Eric Bischoff to perform live on a wrestling show in a war that they were losing for at least 10 to 11 months at this point. So WCW needed to do something. Um, as I just discussed, there's no way you could stuff the shit back in the asshole, but they had to do something. They still fought in 99 we can, we're going to do something that's going to turn this shit around for us. So they decided to um, say, hey, why don't we get um, about four 60-year-old men in face paint, uh, which ironically is actually kind of close to wrestling. So I don't know why I'm making this joke because that's what wrestling is sometimes. And by you the way, old- they're still se- they're still selling out today. So I know, Dave, you don't have to ruin my story because you're totally God right. Damn. And I just realized that I was making a bad metaphor. But, um, <laughs> but, 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 but that's, but that's their thing. See, this is the thing. So and actually, no, I am kind of onto something because WCW was really always from the beginning, even when they were hot, they had a good undercard. They had mm. the cruiserweights, which was youth. They had a lot of younger guys in there, but the main events were the Hogan's and the Pipers, these guys that were in their mid to late forties and the flares and the, you know, all that stuff. And even Sting and Luger were old at this point or at that point, you know, so they were famous for having old main events as far as age wise is concerned and very young and youthful uh, undercards. That's what WCW was for like three years, even when they were number one, that's what they were known for. Whereas WWF was losing in the ratings, but Vince was always really good with storytelling and with Pat Patterson behind the scenes and, you know, guys like that, they really told good stories and they had great finishes for their matches and all that stuff. And even when they were trying to figure out their talent and they were kind of losing really bad in the ratings, they were still telling good stories for the most part. They just couldn't get their characters right. So WCW could never get that right. So in a way it's like, we're going downhill. We're starting, we're losing to the WWF. You know, they have stone cold, which Austin wasn't like a 20 year old, but his character was new and his feud with Vince was new and the rock was new. And, you know, mankind who WCW fumbled with and couldn't get right was new in the sense that he kept reinventing himself, whether it was being three different characters or coming back as Cactus Jack or, or as mankind or as Mick Foley at uh, degeneration X was on fire. And, and like, and, and Triple H was coming into his own at that point. And you had Kane and you had, uh, you know, all these these great guys that they were do- they were forced, in other words, because WCW pulled all the talent. Sure. They were forced to make new stars. So WCW's bright idea in late 99 was why don't we take an old washed up rock band? And I, I say washed up in the sense of. Yes, I know they're selling out. And yes, Kiss obviously has a massive fan base. So I'm sure any mm. Kiss fans are going to be like, you don't fucking know what you're talking about. And you're right, because you're right. They do sell out everywhere. And and they do sell tons of Kiss toothbrushes and Kiss, uh, you know, um, uh, socks and all that stuff. And I get that. But, like, to, to save a wrestling company that's going downhill and getting their ass beat 
in a war that they were winning a year before. Like, you don't go and get a bunch of guys that are 60 years old in face paint and say, and that are musicians and not wrestlers, and be like, can you do a concert on a wrestling show? That's something that you don't do, is my point. Yeah. It took forever so, to get to this point. But so, so, so to your point, Jess, talk about, talk about what the you know, what the idea was, what they were going to do, what the future plans were, um, what the idea of Kiss Demon was, who was going to play it. Um, if we, if we can delve right into that. So, so yeah, so, so they, and long story short, they hire Kiss, the band to perform on this episode of Monday Nitro, August the 23rd, 1999. You can go to the network and and check it out. Um, at the kiss was going to perform God of thunder at the end of the show. And what they were going to do is they're going to have like this, this, uh, a gargoyle kind of statue come up, you know, and split in half. And then a wrestler that they were hyping weeks before they were hyping that kiss was going to be performing. And that a new wrestler was going to debut, uh, with kiss on the stage, a kiss themed mm-hmm. wrestler. Sure. So at the end of the song, they do God of thunder, which I, I like God of thunder a lot. Actually, it's a great song. Yeah. So this, this stone gargoyle comes out, splits in half. And out there stands a, a wrestler, a pretty large wrestler, that's kind of dre- – not kind of. He is dressed in Kiss garb. He's got, like, the Gene Simmons boots on with the demons mm. on the feet. He's, you know, he's got spikes on. He's got the black cape. He's got Kiss makeup on. So it kind of looks like a combination of all of them. And under all that face paint was Brian Adams, who in the WWF was known as Crush. Oh, this is um, was under the gimmick. He was the original Kiss demon. And so they, that's – so that's Crush, everybody, for from Demolition when they went Freebird Rules, when they went to a three actual, you know, tag team wrestlers. Crush was the new one that was going to replace Axe, you know, later on. If you know who Demolition is, you, you understand that. And then became Kona Crush later on. Um, that totally flopped as well, but they didn't put nearly as much money into that as they do here. So sorry, Jess, just to kind of give people an idea of what we're talking about. No, and Gene Simmons himself, I, I don't think they, I, I'm sure they did disclose a number, but um, Kiss got millions just to perform that night on Nitro. Yeah. Just just the band to perform. And then to pay for all the rights. So the Kiss Demon on top of this, after this week when he debuted, um, mm-hmm. he he would come down to the ring to God of Thunder, which, okay. Sure. So you pay Kiss to go and perform. So you pay millions. <laughs> You're losing a Monday Night War. WCW in 1999 was losing millions of dollars by this point. And Eric's bright idea was to overpay a band. And and I, I know I used the term washed up earlier, but I'm just trying to drive a point home here. A band that would only attract really like older fans at this point, you know, because they'd been around for so long, Kiss, and they're legends. But like they were on their their I, probably the 20th Farewell tour at this point. And so, and Kiss has never been cheap, and Gene Simmons was no. not shy about that. Like they d- demand a pretty penny just to appear. You want me um, to put this fucking makeup on? It's going to cost you a pretty penny. It yeah. takes time. And then you want us to perform on top of that, and Here you want to use our song for a wrestler to come down to? Well, you're going to pay. So, bitch. I mean, already before the, if you even knew the gimmick was going to work or not, you're paying millions of dollars just to debut this guy, just to see if it's going to work. Yeah. So, 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 Jess, let me ask you. You talked about, you know, Brian Adams earlier. That, that that's that's crazy because where does Dale Torberg fit into this conversation? Well, Brian Adams um, just got to a point where he wanted a little bit more money to do this, and uh, they were pretty much like, no, like. So, 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 so right there, real quick. I find that absolutely fascinating. So, and here's why, and sorry, not, not to interrupt you too much there, but 
I, I find it absolutely fascinating that you would have Kiss come out and spend all this money and put this money into a gimmick of the demon. And Brian Adams, by, by the way, is much bigger than Torberg. Torberg's a big guy, but Brian Adams is huge. Like we're talking 320. And that's what you want. You want that that huge size. You want that big gimmick and you want to make it work. And at the end of the day, the one person you decide not to pay is the one that is going to carry this gimmick on going forward. I just I find that absolutely insane. I, that's crazy to me. You spent all this money already, and you're like, yeah, we're not going to pay you. I, can can yeah. can you explain that? I mean, can anybody explain that to me? No, it's WCW. I mean, really, I, I guess that's the answer. And I guess that's the wrestling the answer. company. Just moving on, moving on. It's WCW, and that's all you need to know. Yeah. So, so how did so how did it come about when when Torberg came in and Adams came out? I mean, really, like it was kind of seamless. They didn't really like make a big that you couldn't tell, obviously, because of the sure. guard. So, I mean, really, he just flopped like from the beginning. He he, you know, pretty much would beat prelims here and there, and that's all that ever really came of that. And the Kiss Demon, sadly, was kind of toiling around even in the year 2000 they tried to put him in a uh, like a program with vampiro and all this stuff and it just didn't it didn't work out nothing literally nothing ever materialized he just beat a couple jobbers and then he started losing all the time and that was the investment all that money that they paid kiss to debut this wrestler they jobbed him out and i have a well i'm not a theory this is why it happened so to go further into sure. what happened was the whole thing that bischoff had in his head from hiring kiss was they were going to, if this nitro thing was successful, which obviously, you know, Bischoff and kiss were sucking each other's dicks back and forth going like, Oh yeah, you're great. This is not going to fail. How could this fail? Let me tell you how this could fail. This segment on Monday nitro where kiss performed God of thunder. And then the kiss demon debuted was the lowest rated nitro segment in its history. Yeah. Since its inception in 1995, this was the lowest rated segment, 15 minute block. Yeah, the lowest 15 minute block. Had. Yeah. It's, that's just, that's, that is absolutely insane. And what um, the goal was, what the goal was, not to cut you off, but what no, the goal fine. was, is that Eric Bischoff was going to continue to work with Kiss. And that year, New Year's Eve of 1999, going into the new year, the new millennium 2000, they were actually going to have a live pay per view. That crossed over that probably started at 10 or 11 p.m. and would continue on through midnight through New Year's and then end at like one in the morning or whatever, where it was going to be a Kiss concert meshed together with a WCW pay-per-view. So they would have like a Kiss song and then they would have a WCW match or a couple matches and then they have another Kiss song and then blah, blah, blah. And then they would either do something together or whatever to count down the new millennium and then they they would finish the pay-per-view off. That was the goal. Mm. That's what Bischoff wanted. And I think on his podcast, 83 Weeks, he talks about it in other interviews. And he's super passionate, which makes me laugh, of it, which is why I like Bischoff, because I know that's not a popular statement to say. But God damn it, like he was passionate. To this day, I mean, I can say all that out loud and be like, what were you thinking? But Bischoff's like, no, no, no. But the goal was, because Bischoff, you know, he's kind of a salesman slash con man. You know, he is. He always has been. So he's going to sell you on it. But he's still like, no, no, no. And we were going to do this. And imagine if we had a pay-per-view and then, you know, the ball drops in 10, 9, 8. And then they count it. And then we're in the ring and fireworks and Kiss, you know, does uh, I want to rock and roll all night. And then right after that is the main event and Hogan comes out and whatever, you know. You know That's Bischoff's big thing. 
That's what they wanted. And I'll tell you, you know, wrestling gets highly scrutinized for the failures. And, you know, and and I know that we, I don't think there's anybody on this podcast that doesn't appreciate Bischoff and the the changes he forced and kind of revived wrestling um, to make it into, I don't say what it is today, but to to one of its highest points ever. And and a point we'd hope we get back close to eventually with, with anyone, with any particular wrestler or any particular venue or federation for that matter. But the thing about Bischoff that I think that, you know, I know we're kind of shitting on him, but at the same time, you have to admire the 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 guts and, you know, all guts, all glory kind of mentality because I, you know what he's trying to do here. He's trying to get crossover, right? We When it comes to the ratings, I know I know a lot of people at WWE said they didn't care, but they did. They cared about the ratings, and I know they shared and split a lot of those ratings. You can't get a 5.0 on one show and a 4.0 on another. That's shared ratings. We all know that, but... The, the thing about this is that that's what Bischoff was trying to get. How do I get people to change from a whole nother venue, um, aside from fighting with Raw all day, to get me some more real ratings? And he's thinking about, well, if I can get crossover from KISS fans, that, that might be a way to work. I know I, Maybe he never really said that, but that's obvious what we're trying to do. We're trying to get a whole different type of person to watch this show. And that's the unfortunate part about it. Jess has talked about it. Instead of people switching over to watch KISS play, Everybody just changed the channel off it and went over to WWE and made it even worse to make it the lowest rated uh, time you know time slot for wrestling in in WCW's history, and and that that's unfortunate because you know that he was hoping that oh wow I'm going to see Kiss oh wow they even have a wrestler that's a Kiss demon I'm going to come back and watch that wrestler uh, go at it with somebody, and it, it couldn't have been further from the truth of what actually did happen. But you have to credit the man because I'll tell you guys on network television, they <laughs> there's so much more money lost on just regular sitcom shows and action sequence, you know, miniseries, millions upon millions of dollars, and nobody talks about it. It's because it's wrestling that it gets so scrutinized. Um, but you have to admire him for thinking differently. You know, he didn't think like the average booker of wrestling, and I think that's why we like him so much. I know we kind of shit on them in, in a lot of situations, but. You kind of have to respect that way of thinking because you know he was he knew he was getting his ass kicked. He knew he had to do something different. At least he tried. I don't At know, the very least, he was it. trying to connect the dots. I mean, he wasn't just trying to throw something against the wall that stuck for a week or two, and then so what after that? I don't know. Like he really was like, and then it's going to lead into a New Year's pay per view. I we could talk. <laughs> we could say it now and say it's dumb. But like, at least that was his. At least he had a business plan. At least he had a goal. And to clear more on the the Brian Adams thing, Brian Adams never actually wrestled as the Kiss Demon. He he came out. Yeah, yeah, he came out of the statue. He did all that. He wanted a little bit more money, but never really felt comfortable. They actually had Dale Torberg in mind originally for it. Yes. But they wanted to put Brian Adams in it because Brian Adams was kind of more seasoned in the ring, even though he was terrible. In my opinion, Brian Adams was not very good. Yeah, he was never very good. Rest in peace. But he was never very. He was always sloppy. Um. So like, uh, or he would do moves in super slow motion where I'm like, I, it's like a magician showing you the trick, you know, like while he's doing it, like doing it so slow, you see him do the sleight of hand and you're like, you put that in your left hand. Like, that's the way I feel that Brian. I I swear I took a nap between the beginning of Brian Adams backbreaker and the end. Yeah. No, it is. And it was like, yeah, it was like, it was like someone at a wrestling school showing you, like if you went to a wrestling school and paid and the instructor standing in the middle of the ring going, here's how you do a spinning backbreaker. You pick him up and then he holds him to show you and then he spins him again and then you put your knee out and then you sit on your other knee and then you put him down. That's every time I was like, that's, I feel like a wrestling instructor showing the secrets of wrestling live on TV. Like, and here's how you pick up for a body slam. You pick up here, you hold them, you slam them down. 
Like that's to me, that's Brian Adams. Why, I think why, why, did you, why did you almost have a Pat Patterson accent when you did that? I have no idea. That's me talking. <laughs> Holy crap. And I, and I kind of feel bad for uh, Mr. Lloyd here. We got Raymond Lloyd, right? Uh, he's an actual martial artist and he's an actor, you know, he's a professional wrestler, I guess, you know, but it, it should, it should be in that order. They actually have him as a martial artist, professional wrestler and actor. I think, I think professional wrestler should come last, but what's funny is it's, it's what he's still known for. And what we're talking about, we're talking about the gimmick is the ring name of Glacier. And the great thing about Glacier was, oh my God, um, there was there was vignettes back when they actually had vignettes and they would they would bring people in uh and, and get them to watch this vignette and go, Oh man. And what was it? What was it just what did they say? Well, these vignettes were just playing and they started playing them in nineteen ninety six during yes. Monday Nitro. And I wanna say I wanna say they started playing during the summer of ninety six. It was right as the NWO was taking form. Like Scott Hall came through the crowd, Kevin Nash surprised the audience a week later or two weeks later, yeah. whatever it was. And then I, I, I wanna say they started playing the vignettes right before Hogan turned heel, but it might have been right after. But either way it was right around that. And they started playing these vignettes. It was like right after they'd come back from commercial, it would just, they wouldn't go to a wrestling match. It would be this like stone symbol of like a Japanese symbol and it would have snow falling and it would just be, uh, you know, it would just say blood runs cold. And then that would That's all right. it would say. And then the next couple of weeks it would be, it would do the same thing and say blood runs cold. The world is about to change. Enter the realm. Glacier coming soon to WCW. And they did this for weeks and they really built this this thing up where they invested a lot of TV time into these vignettes of Glacier. And they weren't really of Glacier doing anything. It was just symbols or, you know, blood runs cold or whatever. And so that's how they started baiting you. So you're thinking, okay, already Hall and Nash had jumped and a couple other people had started to jump. So now things were getting interesting in the Monday Night Wars. And so people are like, someone else is jumping. Someone's jumping. And then, well, um, if you've ever seen the video game Mortal Kombat, uh, everybody knows who Sub-Zero is. And basically what it was is a wrestler that looked like Sub-Zero. That's all Glacier was. So when he finally <laughs> debuted, he comes out. I think they dropped fake snow from the ceiling, if I'm not mistaken. That's what they did. And then they played like they a did. Mortal Kombat sounding theme music. And he was doing like karate shadow moves in the middle of the ring and all this stuff. And then he takes his mask off and he had contacts in with like these crystal blue eyes and like all this stuff. And he looked, he was wearing the costume. First of all, the armor that he wore cost thousands and thousands of dollars to make. Eric Bischoff had a movie studio make this costume. Like they would like, you know, the like the costumes like in the Ninja Turtle movies, like the way Shredder looked like that kind of armor. It's yeah. like it's not real steel or real metal. It's like a, a really tough foam. So it could take a beating, but yeah, it looked we, like it was like tough leather or tough metal. Yeah, you know? we got so AFX like, Studio. Like Sub-Zero from fucking Mortal Kombat. That's what it, he looked like. Yeah, so you, got, we, you got AFX Studio uh, making this thing out of Atlanta costing thirty five thousand dollars. One wrestler's costume. Jesus. I don't even, did Flair even say his robes cost that much? Didn't no. say Flair used to brag about it. You know? Yeah, did he say that about his robe? I thought he said this robe cost ten thousand dollars or whatever he used to say. Oh God, I don't yeah. even know if Flair's robes cost that much to make for the love of God. Like <laughs> not even Jerry. Not even Rick Flair himself could elaborate that much money. Like 
which one of my robes I'm wearing till I get there to My robe is worth $35,000. No, it's not, but Glacier's fucking costume is. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Train wreck in the main. So all these vignettes, all this hype, and we get this this sub zero in the ring. He's not a great wrestler. He does a bunch of karate moves or whatever. He beats. He's, he's, he's a martial artist by trade. Better I mean, than Hogan, which is, which is respectable. Which is respectable. But Bish, everybody knows again. Bischoff. He was a march. Bischoff was in karate and martial arts. Correct, if I'm not mistaken. Bischoff he actually was, won. Yes. A, yeah. A couple of awards and stuff like that. Correct. Like he was actual champion in some tournament. So yep. he uh, Bischoff literally was into martial arts. So he thought, well, you know, let's. Uh, and this is my point. This is my 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 big. And I I I, I like Eric Bischoff, but this is my big problem with him. Is you kind of you got to be aware of what's going on around you, right? So you have you break the walls down for forever. You know, for the rock and wrestling on up until they figured out that it didn't work anymore. You know, you had plumbers and dentists and knuckleball Schwartzes and, uh, you know, Tatankas. And, uh, you know, you had all these exaggerated characters, you know, and then it just stopped working in the early to mid 90s. It just stopped working. So and then, you know, the mainstream audience went away and both companies were struggling to figure out what would work. And they were just trading old talent back and forth and trying to make it work with them or whatever so finally bischoff stumbles upon bringing hall and nash in and calling them hall and nash not ramon and diesel which you couldn't legally anyway but you know what i mean like you know he could have easily brought diesel you know kevin nash in and called him the semi and you know brought <laughs> oh, hall in and, called, and called hall the 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 razor man or whatever like you could have done any of that but he didn't he said i want to bring you in like your outsiders like your real people your hall and your nash your scott hall and your kevin nash you're going to come through the crowd like you're real and you really invade this company. So what started catching fire after that? People that were real. How many people did you know? Like Brian Adams went to WCW as, or went, you know, he was crushing Crush, WWF yeah. and went to WCW as Brian Adams, which is his real name. Brian Clark was Adam Baum and he goes to yep. WCW as Brian fucking Clark. Like, so Ram. Ray Trailer was the big boss man and now he's Ray Trailer. So they're doing, the, that's the direction they're going in 96. And, you know, like, it, so so instead, Bischoff goes, but I mean, that's all working. What if we have a fucking ninja? Like, that doesn't make any Sub-Zero. sense. Like, it's going the opposite of what you're doing with your company. You're doing it. You're doing it with your company. You're taking them in this cool direction that's getting young people to watch and the casual fan to watch again. So your answer now is you're in this and you're, it's all working. It's all working, baby. Like, I got... uh realistic storylines going on and people or are they are they still working for the wwf or are they blah, blah, blah? he's got all that so now i'm gonna follow it up with sub-zero like i don't understand sometimes like bischoff he he's so interesting to me because that was his answer and you can't give me the well he was kind of doing that no even before they debuted scott hall they were getting away from that because they brought the cruiserweights in they brought uh, yeah, Rey Mysterio was under a mask, but he was a wrestler under a mask, right? He wasn't like Lizard Man, Rey Mysterio. He wasn't that yeah. Rey Mysterio Jr. There's a big difference between Luchador and, and yeah. gimmick. And, really and, and, and wrestler that just wears a mask because exactly he's he's honoring his heritage and he's a luchador. Like so he was already going that direction before Hall and Nash, before he even knew what he was gonna do with the NWO. So <laughs> so he during it, he's like, My answer to follow up with this craziness is a fake guy who looks like a sub-zero which is already part of another franchise so this makes no sense and i'm going to put an inexperienced wrestler in there who doesn't know what he's doing 
But then here's what I'm going to do, Dave and Cuz. Here's what I'm going to do to make Glacier feel comfortable. I'm going to bring in a guy named Mortis and put like a skull mask on him and pay the same fucking movie oh. studio and oh. another X amount of thousand dollars to make this asshole's costume, which was his Rip name was Chris Canyon out of the mask, by the way. And um, uh, then I'm going to bring another guy in uh, who is Brian Clark, and I'm going to call him uh, Raph. And I'm going to make him look like Shredder from the Ninja Turtles and also pay said movie company the same thousands of dollars to make his thing. And so when they're on, they're just confused with each other. So it's like for a little bit, you know, we go to Lucha, you know, we go to the Cruiserweights and they're real people and we go to Hall and Nash. And then we're going to go to Mortal Kombat for like 15 minutes. And like it was the dumbest thing anyone had ever seen for the most part. Not ever, but for the for the modern wrestling, people are like, what are you doing? Like, and it just goes to show you no matter how red hot you are, you're going to like you're going to stub your own toe on something and bischoff just couldn't help himself he's just like yeah we got all this cool reality-based shit going on right now so let's make it a little fake and corny like and that's what he did and i'll never understand that i'll never you, get it you know what's even more interesting about this Pretty is dumb. there is <laughs> I, I just find it incredibly interesting that's what you have to say on that it, it's fucking stupid Right, thank you. Uh, that's pretty yeah. dumb. Uh, you know, not, 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 not going to end in twelve years. Kind of that's dumb, a perfect explanation. Dumb. You know, I'm it's, a pretty, it's a pretty dumb idea. Yeah, no. What what I find incredibly interesting about this is that son of a bitch actually just went into a, a Royal Rumble in 2017 and honor an honor Royal Rumble got eliminated by Bully Ray first of all, and just wrestled literally like a week ago Glacier. on Hell in High Water. Yeah. Glacier. I swear to God, if it's not him, it's the character. Either way, the gimmick is still around today. Well, which it is... looks like Eric Bischoff was right in the long run, wasn't he? Yep. He's right. And now look, <sighs> look what's the, the I don't, 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 don't want to say his goddamn legacy in 2019. What are we, what are we doing here? It's it's, it's like it's the shit that just never stops. Now, you know, it's like the shit that won't flush. It's the turd that won't go down the toilet. It's really, Bischoff it still pops revenge. up. It, he probably, he probably, and you know what? He probably loves the fact that that turd won't flush. He probably really does. He's like, <laughs> well, good for yeah. him. Good for him because I, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. There's a lot of other wrestlers that you know they dedicate their whole life to it, and they get injured, and and you know they don't have any money after a while, and it sucks, and they have no yeah. medical. But good for him Sense. though. I mean, like you know, hey, whatever. Like apparently he didn't make it very big in the martial arts world, so he is glomming on his wrestling character i mean why not you know it just, especially nowadays nostalgia is so big that yeah. like people will fucking, they'll, they'll pay five bucks ten bucks to get a picture with glacier it's right? like the, oh, it's sure. like the goon it's like, he's still know, wrestles, like the goon yeah. he's like the goon but with a bunch of money in the beginning to to push it the goon oh, people the know the goon you know <laughs> and you see the goon in every I, oh gimmick royal battle royal out there you know so, so he debuted in 96 and pretty much fizzed mm-hmm. out quickly he actually sure. had an undefeated streak going on for almost a year until he was yeah. handed his first loss by Buff Bagwell. <laughs> well, yeah. that's fantastic. On September 1st, 1997, he finally loses the Glacier streak to Buff Bagwell. And then he just jobs out viciously after that. But in the middle, they did debut uh, 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 Ernest Miller, the cat. Um, yes. They debuted him, and he partnered with, with Glacier for a while to take on Mortis and Wrath and all that stuff. And you know, and, and I think he they they brought Glacier back in like '99 or 2000, somewhere around that. And they kind of made him a heel, where he was sort of like he was he was convinced that he was a superhero character, that he was like Glacier, if that makes sense. Like, so he was like self aware, and 
you know, all that stuff. And that didn't work because, you know, the next sentence out of my mouth is not going to be. And that concept saved WCW because we all know it didn't. So that's that's on the network now. Really made anything after that. So he pretty much finished out 1997 by jobbing to Goldberg while Goldberg was building his amazing streak. And that was pretty much it for Glacier, except for, like I said, that brief period in 99 slash 2000, they brought him back and that was yeah. it. And he's Glacier. been, on, he's been on independence and legacy stuff ever since, which I, yeah. I, I find that fascinating that people will still book that shit. It's um, like a short but, Hey, you know what? Good for him. I say good for him. If yeah. I had a gimmick with that going, I can get booked every night. Let's go. I would do time. it. I don't know. He's owned it. He's owned it. And I say good for him. You know, good <laughs> good for Mr. Lloyd, right? I mean, shit. Good for Ray. If you have a chance, go to the network and, and any you could probably pick any Nitro like mid to late 96 and you'll see either Glacier himself or Glacier promo. Yeah, you'll see the blood runs cold. Or so, they can just watch today's so, product and they'll get just as bad as <laughs> just Oh, as bad. shit. Just as so, bad as well, well, speaking speaking of bad product, you know, we talked about how WCW would have crumbled a long time before, if not for certain things. This is no different, and and, and um, nobody knows who you know. If I told you, if I asked you if you knew who you know Raymond Lloyd was, you wouldn't even know who Raymond Lloyd was, right? But you're gonna know who this guy is. I mean, this guy is is huge. It's gonna be great. But before he became huge, we're talking. What did you say, Jess? Back in the early '90s, this was 1991. Uh, and I was not watching WCW at this time. Again, it's another product of WCW, so uh, I'm sure Jess is not surprised. And I, and I got to tell you, once I found out who this was, I was absolutely shocked. Didn't even know he was really even around at that time. Didn't know that this gimmick even existed. Um, when I started watching the production for it and what they brought into it with Oz. We're talking about Oz, 1991. Um, huge, huge gimmick, a lot put behind it. Um, Jess, I just, I gotta let you just take this one from here, man. I, I can't. And by the way, I guess if you want to kind of figure out where this is coming from, I swear, just look up Oz Super Brawl one and you will understand what I'm talking about. You can get on YouTube, you can get it on a network, wherever you want to find it. It is just, it's a real shit sandwich, isn't it, Jess? Um, you say shit sandwich. I say shit sandwich. And I, mean that, I say that like I say ice cream sandwich. Um, look, I like WCW before it was cool to like WCW. I like WCW even when they weren't perfect. And let me tell you something about 1991. Let me give you a brief synopsis of WCW. So Crockett Promotions owned like kind of the biggest chunk, not owned, but they had the biggest territory that the NWA kind of resided over. The NWA was a governing body and it decided literally uh, with, with a few board members like on, on board, like they had uh, for a while, they had uh, a Vince senior on there and they had a lot of other key players and they would all vote who should be the NWA champion. That's our ultimate world champion and then there was other territories that had like their champions like florida championship wrestling or wwwf and all that stuff and so um they would have their champions but the big champion was the nwa heavyweight champion and so basically that's what it was so crockett promotions had the majority had the biggest promotion that the nwa oversaw um wwf had long broken off on their own vince jr already started his dominance here and everything. And then Crockett promotions kind of represented the majority of the NWA. So at this point, Crockett started 
Finn started putting so much pressure on. And then when they had WrestleMania three, it really fucked a lot of people over. It really fucked a lot of the promotions over because they were like, Vince was Vince just separated and was never part of the NWA. As far as WWF was concerned, he took one W out. He called the WWF and he got Hogan and he took Gene Okerlund from the AWA and Bobby Heenan and John Studd and Ventura and Andre and started off his own empire. And it worked perfectly. So by 87, people were just desperate, like promotions were dying because WWF was national and they were breaking barriers down and they weren't just staying to territories. They were trying to dominate the world, the entire United States and then the world. So led by Hogan, that worked almost perfectly. So at the Crockett goes, okay, I we've got to start spending some more money. We got to start branching out. We can't just stay in the Carolinas. We got to go here. We got to go to Chicago. We got to go here. We got to start being national like Vince. Well, Vince just had this unique vision and it worked. Vince was very smart and he he really wanted to master production and make their their television look better and brighter and different. And he really wanted to tour differently and to market his guys differently and to have ice cream bars and have figures and have all this stuff. So even heels that would go to WWF would have shit made, merchandise made for them. And they would get a cut of that. So it was like... Crockett could not compete. So they just start spending a lot of money in 86 and 87. So much, in fact, that Crockett's like, I'm done. I'm just, I, I don't have any more money. I, I can't, we can't survive. So Ted Turner steps in and says, look, when I was trying this whole crazy cable channel called TBS, the one thing that kept me alive and that always got good ratings was pro wrestling. Not Vince's pro wrestling, but like the Carolinas and like NWA and like all that stuff. So Turner was like, I'll buy it from you. I will buy your share of, of your promotion, the NWA promotion. You're, you're part of it. And um, I'll take it in. I'll fund it. And I'll keep it going because I love wrestling. It allowed me to build the Superstation. And I will never forget that. And that really sets the stage for WCW years after, because let's be honest from like from the time Turner bought it, which Turner finalized the sale in late 87, early 88 uh, to when Bischoff finally figured out the NWO formula and turned it around. WCW would have gone out of business like 11 times. And I'm not even kidding. That's mm-hmm. how bad WCW was in between them. They just couldn't fucking get their head out of their ass. And they tried everything. They tried everything. Uh, we're going to be a different uh, brand. We're going to be an alternative to the WWF. But then the second somebody would get in power, they would be like, what's Vince doing? I'm going to copy Vince. So let's make it for kids. <laughs> and like, they just couldn't get out. They couldn't get out of their own way. Like somebody would be boisterous and be like, we will not be like Vince. We will be our own promotion. And then they would get the position of president or head booker and be like, let's make characters like Vince. And they, I, they did it every time, no matter who they put in it. Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, whoever, Kevin Sullivan, whoever was a head booker, they just did it. Now, this, this fucking fool, Jim Hurd, took over WCW in like, I want to say like sometime in 1990. And he had no wrestling experience. And he looked like someone's grandpa. And he was the executive vice president that was named by, uh, you know, uh, Turner, uh, not Time Warner because they hadn't merged it, but Turner Broadcasting. So there was never really, there was an owner of WCW, but there was no Vince McMahon, if that makes any sense. So WCW for years, really until, until they died, it was always that. 
It was always, there was really, the buck never stopped with anybody. So in 1991, especially, Jim Hurd had his arm around everything. And guess what Jim Hurd's bright idea was? Let's copy Vince. Because if Vince is making a bunch of money, even if we make half that money, we got we got some monies. And that's exactly what his, that, I'm pretty sure he drew that out on a napkin. And that was his business plan. He just did photocopies and he handed it out to everybody. And he's like, what do you guys think of my business plan? And they're like, I mean, whatever. Like, you're going to fucking get fired in a couple years anyway. Like, everybody knows that. <laughs> so that's, that's that was WCW for years before Bischoff took over and figured things out and at least had a, a run of success, right? So, so in 91, he was doing stupid shit, just trying to copy Vince. This is why you have PN News, the rapping wrestler. This is why you had Big Josh, a guy who would actually come down. He was like a, uh, a lumberjack, and he would come down with fucking bears and stuff like that. And uh, like that's what he – and he wanted to cut Ric Flair's hair short, which he succeeded in doing, and put earrings in Ric Flair's ears and dress Ric Flair up like a gladiator with a shield and armor – and come down to the ring with women on his arms or whatever. And he actually wanted to rename Ric Flair Spartacus. I, I, and that's where, no, I, we're just going to call her for Spartacus. That's no, what we're every, gonna do. every time, every time we talk about this, it still blows me away that you would take the most over, I didn't say heel, the most over wrestler in the world, definitely top three at this point, And you want to just change it. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, Ric Flair is known all over the world at this moment. There's nothing more over than Ric Flair with exception to Hogan at this moment. Maybe Sting at some times, right? But Flair, Flair is so over, it's ridiculous. I don't care if he's running heel work, if, he, if he's chasing the title as a face. He's so versatile, and he's so him. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's just change all that. Let's just change all of it. But, Dave, we want to make money like Vince. That's what we want to do. Yeah, that's, and that's where you're, that's, because that's where you're. He's going to make us the monies, and kids will buy T-shirts that say Spartacus. What's your problem? Uh, what don't you understand? Style and so, so this this cocksuck, Jim Hurd. Um, so he fucks with Flair and all that stuff, and and people were losing faith in him already in 1991 because like you're you are. Retarded, and I know I can't say that in 2019, but I'm going to say it. He was retarded. He was probably say it all you want, but kind of retarded. It was probably so, uh, said then. It probably, so, it's probably a quote somewhere. Yeah, back then, I'm, I'm talking 1991 lingo, so I can say it because people yes. called each other retarded back then. It didn't mean to I offend any guy people. So, so he was that way. So he comes up with this bright idea, and the head booker at the time was Dusty Rhodes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Dusty Rhodes, the genius booker. And I'm, I know I'm going to get hate uh, for this because Dusty Rhodes, I know, rest in peace, Dusty, all that stuff. And he's this genius creator and he's this genius booker. But f- for, the, for the love of God, I cannot understand how people shower praises on people like Dusty Rhodes and for and Whoa, Kevin Sullivan. Dude. Because stop it right now. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan, uh, I mean, he was a good booker. But Dusty, the same thing. Like Dusty became famous for the Dusty finish. What was the Dusty finish? The Dusty finish was the heel champion escaping by the skin of his teeth, meaning the good guy beats him. And then somehow like the, the referee goes, wait a minute. Like, uh, you're bleeding too much, so I'm going to stop the match for blood, like they did with Luger. And uh, and Flair will retain the title. So basically, they ended the match with 
uh, you flare in the torture rack. The referee's looking at Luger's face, which is bleeding, and they kind of foreshadowed it earlier on in the evening where if you bleed, the athletic commission might stop the match. So basically, the ref makes it look like Flair gave up, and he rings the bell, and people go nuts, and Luger has the belt, and then the ref's like, no, I was reacting big and ringing the bell because you're bleeding. And still, your world champion, Rick Flair! And they would just do variations of that to where you would think the good guy would win, and then they would be like, no... The winner of this bout, by disqualification, Lex Luger, Ooh. meaning Ric Flair keeps the title. Like, you know, and they would do <laughs> shit like that all the time. Those were called yeah. dusty finishes to where he was like, oh, but he did it so much to where it got named the dusty finish, which isn't good. So Dusty Rhodes. It's all about the goes, chase, baby. He goes through the WWF machine. No, it is, but they overchase it to where the payoff Agreed. never happened. That, that, that's all true. That's so, all true. so. But, you know, he goes through the WWF, he's polka dot Dusty, he gets it over. Because Dusty himself, as a wrestler, is amazing and is charismatic and can get himself over no matter what and is an absolute legend. But creatively, creatively, like anybody else, he has his limitations or he, he, he only has one way of looking at things and he can't change, right? So he goes to the WWF and he comes back in WCW in like 90 slash 91 and he gets the head booker job again because, you know... We want to be different from WWF, but wait a minute. What's Dusty doing? He's leaving WWF? Let's hire him as our head booker. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, so this is what WCW always does. So they go, Dusty, what's up? Well, we need to do things like Vince. He has kids. They buy merchandise. They buy ice cream, baby. They have kids. They have kids. (laughs) uh, Merchandise. Let's do it. So what the But Why? We just said that we were going to be an alternative product. No, 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 no. We are going to be alternative. And by alternative, we're going to be like Vince. But that's not what alternative means. I don't know what you're saying right now. I don't know what you're saying. So we're going to have this character. His name is Oz. Have you seen The Wizard of Oz? Yes, I think fucking everyone's seen The Wizard of Oz. We are going to pretend that the Oz came to life and he's the pro wrestler. Oh. That's, that's your big idea? Uh-huh. That's it. That's Yes, but do, what do you want me to say? Oh, we're going to have monkeys. Oh, you're going to have monkeys? Yes. So that's going to come You're going to come You're going to face Vince. You're going to fight Vince with this idea. Uh, this is everything that you learned when you were in WWF. Exactly. If we make the Wizard of Oz a real person that wrestles. So, so, so have, Jess, I, got, I, got to, I have to tell you. Okay, hey. number one. I have to. I, 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 no, I have to tell you. Like, I'm, I'm currently not to number one. <laughs> I, I'm currently watching this right now on YouTube or the other network. If you just type in Oz, like I said, Super Bowl one, it's on YouTube. You'll find it right there. I, I can't. I can't even believe what I'm watching right now. I can't. Let, so this Super so Bowl one. Can you can you please describe it to to our listeners? What what the fuck am I looking at right now? Super Brawl 1, 1991. Um, <laughs> it's Oz's debut. So they hype him up. There's tons of vignettes before this. Lots of money mm-hmm. put TV time put into this, by the way. This yeah. is part of the topic. So and it's Oz is coming. Oz is coming. So it's like, oh, fuck. Really? Like, right away, everybody knew. Like, fucking, like, the Oz? Like, what are we doing here? I, none of my wildest dreams, I think, they were going to... It was just going to be as lazy as... It, Oz from the movie. Like, I mean, what, what the fuck? Like, so I thought, okay, maybe Oz is, 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 uh, 
OZ. What does that? What could that mean? Like out of this world, Zabomb. I don't know what Z. Out of this world, Zebra. I don't know. Like it could have been anything. Like, and it, I don't know what that means. Like, they're all, it can't mean Wizard of Oz because that's ridiculous. It's already a thing, right? What, that's ridiculous. That, that's ridiculous. What is Dorothy going to wrestle? That they would never do that. It's ridiculous. It's supposed to be an alternative. So then uh, you get to Super Bowl one, and then Dusty Rhodes is commentating, which is super rich. And so they're like, and Jim Ross goes to sit with, now we're going to go to the debut of Owls. And so, like, the the old WCW <laughs> stage was was as follows. If anybody remembers WCW from, like, 90 to, like, 94, they had this stage where the entranceway, I should say, where it was just three letters, WCW. And then the wrestlers would come up on a rampway, and they would come down to the ring on a rampway, which was a platform. It was, like, a three-and-a-half-foot to four-foot-high platform that would go all the way from the entrance to the ring. So it was the same, it was the same height as the apron. And the wrestlers would walk on the platform. And this defined WCW for like four years where people, oh, the promotion with the ramp. So it's like, you know, it keeps the wrestler up high and he walks. He's above the crowd walking to the ring. That was probably the concept of it. So <laughs> they start putting fog out or dry ice. I don't even know what it is. And it starts covering the rampway from the ring to the stage, the entranceway. It's covering the rampway. And they drop this big, like, it's like a curtain or like a set where it's a castle, and it covers the WCW logo. So you just see this castle. So <laughs> from the ring, <laughs> this is fucking <laughs> such garbage. I love it. Um, it They have these characters, these actors that are paid. One, a guy's dressed up like the Tin Man. Someone's dressed up like Dorothy. Someone's dressed up like the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion. And then, like, this old man that's in, like, a robe, and he has, like, a rubber mask on with, like, a gray beard and gray hair with a fucking monkey on his shoulder a live monkey with the diaper and and he's got he's mic'd under the mask so you can hear it muffled and you keep hearing him say welcome to oz welcome to oz and so these characters have to act scared because they're going to the castle that's at the end of the the ramp and so they're walking down but the thing is the dry ice or the fog or whatever the fuck wcw decided to put here uh, like was covering the rampway so when you're walking down this ramp if you walk off the ramp you're gonna fall like fucking three and a half or four feet down on the floor and probably kill yourself because you can't see so they're acting all afraid and trembling you know dorothy and the tin man and all those fucking people and they're they're trying to walk down but they can't see through the fog so they're all looking down like are we gonna fucking fall are we gonna eat shit so they were afraid but it was they were afraid that they were gonna fall and die for a wrestling pay-per-view and the number two wrestling promotion at that like so it's not like the news news would be the next day uh you know performers die at wwf event no it'd be like performers die at second rate wwf show like that's what it would be so they're inching down barely they can't see they could barely walk because this fog is covering the rampway and all the, the while this fucking old man in a rubber mask is welcome to oz welcome to oz like a hundred thousand times and he's got a monkey on his shoulder because remember the monkeys in the wizard of oz and the monkey keeps jumping off because there's so much fog so bro, the bro. monkey's like i'm fucking scared what, what the fuck what the fuck do you expect? They're throwing fucking fireworks Fire, right at the yeah. monkey. Of course, it's gonna I jump know, off the fucking shoulder. Like I, 
Dusty thought that was the natural habitat for a monkey, so they didn't see anything wrong with it. Just fog so, and fireworks, bro. So, yeah, so monkeys live and they breed in fog and fucking fireworks. Who doesn't? So he's back on his shoulder, and the monkey's on a leash. So it's all ridiculous from the start. So they're making their way down this rampway. And at the end, on this castle, which is really, I sort of got a sheet with the castle painted on it. And, like, that's all it is. You see this figure in the opening of the castle, like the, the draw gate of the castle. And it's a big dude, like, with his back to them. And he's got, like, a big wizard hat on. He has this big cape on. And he's a big, he's a big man. And under that mask is goddamn Kevin Nash. And so Shut the fuck Kevin up. Kevin Nash, Diesel, whatever you want to call him, this is who's under this mask. So as they're finally approaching him about 20 minutes later because they can't see, so they're taking forever to get down to the, the, uh, the castle, a voiceover comes over, and it's supposed to be Oz going, Who are you? You want to see Oz? I am Oz, the great and powerful. Who are you? Who are you? The great and powerful Oz knows why you have come. How dare you come to me? I will show you who Oz really is. I will show the world who Oz really is. Ha-ha! Welcome to Oz! 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 He is huge, Dusty! This guy, Oz, is huge. Brother, this just knocked my socks right off right here. I ain't never seen nothing like that. It's the most ridiculous. It is as ridiculous as I am describing it. Please watch it just to, to get douche chills, to get like, oh, my God. Like, they really, like, they made it. They made it so Bischoff could make it better. Like, how the fuck did this company? I'll tell you why. Because Ted Turner refused. No matter how much money WCW lost, Ted Turner refused to cancel it or to let it go because he always had a soft spot in his heart. Because wrestling back in the you know early 80s and the late 70s drew ratings. So when he was working on this concept called a cable channel, um, they kept him afloat yeah. while he figured out what he was going to do with it. Uh, so I, I got to tell you, man, it's almost as bad as the music that comes in his his stupid mic work voiceover. And I, and I I don't know if they were told not to say anything on uh, you know on, on the announcers booth or if they're just so like, what the fuck is this? They don't say anything until he approaches the ring, and it takes no because Denver production notes like, and then I don't want we're going to be quiet, we're going to be silent. And we're gonna let owls just consume the audience. Oh all, all fifteen hundred people in the crowd. <laughs> we're gonna let because we this is a big crowd for us. And, and I and I have to tell you, Jess, I heard a lot of that fifteen hundred like laughing. You can hear them laughing. Oh, on totally. this channel. Like they're it's they think ridiculous. they think it's, it's fucking hilarious. They're not they're not in awe by it. They're not scared of. It. They're like, what the fuck are we watching right now? He is so convinced. Like this. Did, this did I, I did I pay for this? I paid I paid I'm real money sure. for this. Yeah, I'm sure that when Dusty left WWF, everything on that plane ride over, when he got hired back in WCW, and I'm getting on a plane, and I'm going to Atlanta, baby, 
we're going to talk turkey. So in his, in his mind, he's like, and then we're going to do this, and it's going to revolutionize this. But then something happens when you get that position, like I was saying, in WCW, and you get off the plane, you go in, you walk in, and they're like, hi, what's your big idea? I mean, you came from Vince land. What knowledge, production knowledge and creative knowledge can you give me? Uh, Oz is uh, it's going to be a wrestler, baby. And that's it. So that's it. That's it. So for your fucking three years in WCW, that's what. Uh huh. Look, between you and me, they made me wear my fucking polka dots, baby. I'm never gonna forget that shit. So I mean, that's like really like something yeah. happens, and, and but it's not just Dusty. It was almost every person, including Bischoff, to a certain extent, that yeah. like gets that position. They're like, I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna revolutionize the world, and then I'm gonna get in there. The glacier, like it just happens. So, so to, to narrow this down, just how how long did Oz actually last? And dig into the amount of gimmicks that Kevin Nash went into before he became Kevin Nash. Well, okay. So he debuted as the Master Blaster, part of a tag team called the Master Stop hitting your mic arm, you douche. I know. I'm sorry. My fucking finger hit it. Um, So he debuted as a tag team called the Master Blasters. He was part of them, and they were terrible. And then they repackaged him as Oz, and that was terrible. But to finish on the Oz thing, so he turns around on this thing, you know, like a little circle disc. They're spinning around yeah, the, the one that flip, the one that um, fucking Luger can never make work. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. At least Dusty got that right. Dusty's like, uh, if there's one thing that we have to get right, it's the circle. It has to be right. <laughs> so we're gonna have someone hand crank it rather than have a battery power because fucking Luger fucked it up a couple years ago. So we'll have someone under the ramp cranking it, and it will never stop, and it will work. That's Dusty's big. So it's probably a minor victory for Dusty. Like he was just like, hell yeah, the disc worked. It spun three sixty. Hallelujah. Like I swear that's what Dusty was thinking. Oh my. So uh, Oz comes down, and 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 this guy still welcome to Oz. Like Kevin Sullivan still welcoming everyone to Oz a hundred times, super hospitable. I appreciated it. And so like he walked him down, he comes down, but uh, you don't see Kevin Nash's face, Dave. It's another rubber mask with a big white beard that he's wearing and a big wizard hat with a big like green cape. And he's walking down and it's this generic guitar music and he's walking down and there's lame ass sparklers in the back not i wouldn't even call them fireworks i will call them sparklers and so he gets in the ring and he's wearing like sting you know sting used to wear like colorful tights it's like yeah. sting legging tights that are like bright green yeah, and all that horrible. the lights come up and he takes his fucking cape off and his mask and under it is who we know to be kevin nash who is forcing his eyes to be wide open like so he's uh, he's making himself like bug-eyed and it's his goatee and his hair are, they put like powder in it to make it gray. So, <laughs> so it looks like he has gray hair like a wizard. And and he beats his prelim up in like, with like three moves. And the entire time, Kevin Sullivan in that fucking old man mask is still in the ring. So he's wrestling and beating the shit out of those prelim yeah. with, welcome to Oz, like in the ring the whole time with him. <laughs> And he beats it's him terrible. with like he picks him up at the baser's edge, and, and he and he instead of dropping him forward like Ramon did, he spins him like the top, and this poor prelim almost dies, and he pins him, and it's just the greatest sight ever. And right now I'm looking at it, and Nash looks so in shape and so ready for this push, and it just went nowhere. By the end of the year, he was dead. It was done, and yeah. like 
they actually agreed to pay Nash a contract leading into this. And then they they realized that, oh, fuck, we're WCW and we're spending way too much money. And so we have to cut you back. And so basically we're going to pay you $300 a night. So n- not there's going to be no guarantee, meaning like if we only use you once a week, you're going to get 300 bucks. If we use you twice a week, you're going to get 600 bucks. If you, you know what I mean? And so on and so forth. So Nash is like, no, screw that. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. So basically they killed the Oz gimmick and they, did resign him to a different kind of contract after that, Vegas and he came back as Vinny Vegas. And from Vinny Vegas, he was actually seen on WCW Vegas. television by Shawn Michaels, and I want to say Triple Already, H possibly as well. They were in the same room. Problems. Or maybe it was Scott Hall. I think it was Scott Hall. And um, Scott Hall knew him from WCW because Scott Hall was the diamond stud in yeah. WCW. They actually so, wrestled Oz and the stud wrestled as a tag team at one point. Yeah, and, and Ramon debuted on w, uh, WWF in 92, like mid-92. So basically he told Sean, like, oh, you like that guy? And Sean's like, yeah, that guy's really funny. Who is he? He's like, oh, he's a friend of mine. His name's Kevin Nash. And he was playing Vinny Vegas at the time. And and that's when Sean's like, dude, we got to get Vince on the phone. You got to help me sell him. We need this guy. Let's bring him over. He's really funny. He could be like my bodyguard or something. And Nash is legit, like six foot ten. 330 pounds, 340, yeah. he's a motherfucker. And so and the rest is history. And that's how Nash became Diesel and then became Kevin Nash again after that. That's right. And what we're talking about now is I think it's one of the most well-known, um, overhyped, overspent gimmicks that absolutely failed. Um, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the Shockmaster. The Shockmaster is an amazing story. And, and it, the, the sad thing about the Shockmaster is there's been there's been other gimmicks uh, with this particular wrestler, um, other successes, and this poor son of a bitch. This is all anybody's ever going to remember him by. And, and Justin, I want you to talk about it, but we're gonna, like I said, super hype. Tons of tons of gimmick uh, work coming in. Tons of promo work. You know, you don't know what's coming. We got a big surprise, and. We run into Flair for the gold. This is kind of where it starts. And to your point, Jez, you said you said Flair was booking at this point. I think so. I don't really know. This is late. This is like the fall of '93 for WCW. So, so I don't. I don't. I don't know who it might have been. I, Flair still might have been. It could have been Dusty again too. I honestly it could have been a combination of Flair and Dusty. They're yeah. all kind of involved there. So you know, when we start we start talking about it. We start looking at this and. Um, it, you know, just tell us about who the Shockmaster is. Tell us about some of his previous successes before he got here. Um, give us some insight to the the gimmick, the wardrobe, which is absolutely fascinating. And and just tell us what happened at Flair for the Gold. I think this is just amazing. Um, it, it, I think it's something that everybody has seen, heard. But some of the things you haven't heard that WWE now has edited out is also just as funny and and um, incredible. Take it away, man. So Fred Ottman is yep. the gentleman that was the Shockmaster. He was also known as Tugboat in WWF, and uh, he would be the you know wearing like the red and white stripes, and he did that, and then he turned heel, and then he joined the Natural Disasters with Earthquake, and they won the tag titles a couple times, and so he had a, he had a decent run in WWF in like ninety to ninety two. Um, so what WCW was doing, they were leading into their Fall Brawl 93 pay-per-view, where it was going to be Sting and Dustin Rhodes and a mystery partner versus Big Van Vader, Sid Vicious, and the Harlem Heat. So that was the main event of Fall Brawl. That was going to be the War Games cage match. 
so leading up to it, they hyped, you know, uh, Sting, Dustin, and uh, uh, British Bulldog were hyping yeah, that we have a Davey mystery Smith, yeah. fourth partner. It's gonna, yeah, Davy Boy. It's who did I say? No, you said you said you oh. said you said British Bulldog. Yeah, Davy Boy Smith. I'm all, and so I, so then I was like, oh, okay, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a great surprise, right? It's gonna be good. So they're they're hyping someone, and we're thinking, okay, you know, like back here, it was common for people to go back and forth between WWF and WCW because if a character got stale in one promotion, they could go to another, you know. So I'm thinking, like, okay, cool, like this, you know, they're hyping it up for a couple weeks before, and then they're gonna reveal this fourth mystery partner. On a Flair for the Gold segment, for those people who don't know what that, Ric Flair was on a no-wrestle clause. When he left WWF in 93, he was able to show up in WCW in February, um, which is relatively quick after he left WWF. Because I think he lost a retirement match to, to Mr. Perfect on Monday Night Raw. Either very – the very end – it was the day after the Royal Rumble in 93. So it was very – the end of January of 93. And he showed up at, at Super Brawl for WCW in 93, which was like a month later. But Flair couldn't wrestle. He had a no-wrestle clause. He could be seen on WCW television. So they gave him a talk show called Flair for the Gold. And basically the set of the talk show was like a penthouse suite. And uh, Fifi, the maid, would she was just this hot chick that would come in on the maid costume and serve Ric Flair champagne, whoever his guest was or whatever. And ironically, Flair's married to her now in 2019. They actually got married, which is Flair's third or fourth wife. I don't even know. Um, so, tech, yeah, they are married, which is really hilarious. So... So she would come in there and she would, and he would always like show her off at the beginning, Fifi spin around for the audience. And she'd spin around in this little nice looking, you know, made uh, costume and all that stuff. So it was like a penthouse, a really nice penthouse suite. He would have someone come in and sit on the couch and he would interview him. It was like a brother love segment or a Piper's pit or a whatever, whatever you want to call it. So um, on clash of the champions, 24, the clash of the champions leading into the fall brawl pay-per-view, they were going to reveal their fourth member. So they get out there, and on the show is Flair, who's hosting the show, of course. You have Sid Vicious, you have uh, Big Van Vader, and Harlem Heat. And then on the set, you know, it's supposed to be a face-off between the two teams, and then Sting and Bulldog are going to reveal the the fourth member. So Sting and Bulldog are, you know, cutting promos and all that stuff, and Vader and Sid are like, who's your guy? Who's your guy? Quit dicking around. Who's your guy? And then so (laughs) Sting leads into... Well, this announcement's going to shock the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the shock master. Now, let me tell you what was supposed to happen before I tell you what actually happened. So Fred Ottman was in the Shockmaster costume. Let me explain to you what the Shockmaster costume was. The Shockmaster costume was super high budget and very, very well thought out. I I would not be surprised if scientists did not come in on this and actually, you know, figure out the dynamics of this costume and how this, the aerodynamics work. The so it was a stormtrooper mask. And by stormtrooper mask, I mean like the stormtroopers on Star Wars, the white plastic stormtrooper masks dipped in scientific purple paint and dipped in even more NASA approved uh, glitter. And that was the mask of the Shockmaster. So 
uh, tugboat or Fred Ottman had, he wore like this fur coat, which had like the sleeves cut off, I think. And so it was a long, like fur coat and, and it, you know, like went down past like to his ankles and he had no sleeves on it and he was wearing jeans and boots and this fucking stormtrooper mask that was dipped in purple paint and glitter. And he, <laughs> he was supposed to, <laughs> I'm sorry. He was supposed to break through the wall of the flare for the gold set. And he's called the shock master. So he's going to shock everybody. So in rehearsal, and they rehearsed this before the, it went live. Clash of the Champions was live, by the way. So they rehearsed it before they went live where he practiced. He just double axe handled the drywall. The drywall was just drywall. So it broke and he comes crashing through the wall and he'd be like, he, he had a voiceover. Ole Anderson was his voiceover and he would, he would be like, I'm the shock master and I'm going to shock you, whatever. I'm going to suck your dick, whatever you want to say. So that was the whole thing that he was going to do. So they practiced it. It went off without a hitch. He double axe handled the wall. It crashed through. Looked great. Here we go. So before the live broadcast, someone said, we don't like the way that wall looks. It looks unsturdy. We don't want him to like, you know, walk up to the wall and have the wall fall before he even pushes it down. And that would look silly, right? That, have, that would look silly. Forget the mask he's already in. That, he, that would look silly if the wall falls before he even hits it. Or if he kind of hits it and it sort of falls before he goes through, it kind of looks on live TV like he really didn't knock it down like the wall was supposed to fall. We don't want that. We want it to look like he's really crashing through this motherfucker. So they put a 4 by 4 down on the bottom by where his feet would be to further brace the wall. So that way he really had to double axe handle it and push through it but nobody told him that that they installed that four by four between the rehearsal and the live performance so they they're live on the clash of the champions and sting says you know this is gonna shock everyone i give you the shock master he can't see because he's in the stormtrooper mask that's been dipped in purple paint and glitter so he has no peripheral vision he could barely see right in front of him so he knows okay no no big deal i'm just gonna double axe handle the wall like i'm supposed to and i'll be fine and the voiceover is going to cut the promo for me, so I don't even have to do shit. So he goes to double axe handle the wall. He doesn't know the 4x4 is there. He trips over the 4x4. The four four. He crashes through the wall. He falls flat on his fucking face. The Stormtrooper mask comes rolling off on live television. to grab it and put it on his head and stand up and Ole Anderson's still like I'm the shock master I will shock you and it was probably one of the greatest 
like slash worst you. moments in wrestling live television history ever. What? How does it sound, Cus? I will suck you. It's exactly what it was. And so, like, they suck had to keep master. doing this shit. <laughs> Only understood that they keep doing that stupid fucking voice, and they cut the promo like I'm their partner and I'm the Shockmaster, and I'm I did not partner. just fall through a fucking wall on live TV. And so they had to totally play it off, and so they had to play it off through the pay per view. In the pay per view, I think he actually won in the match beyond part where you could win by submission, and he literally bear hugged one of the Harlem Heat, and they they tapped out from a bear hug, and so the Shockmaster wins. So after that. The gimmick flopped so bad because it was supposed to be serious. I don't know how serious you're supposed to be able to take a guy in a purple stormtrooper mask with glitter on it, but they're acting like the tripping through the wall is what killed this gimmick. No, no. Pretty much the whole concept of this gimmick killed itself. From the hype up, you're going to be Sting and Davy Boy and Dusty's surprise partner, and it could be anybody. It was who's it going to be? Who's coming over from WWF at this time? Is it going to be? Uh, I don't know. Like uh, you know, anyone, anyone. It'd be awesome. You know, like is it Macho Man? No, I don't know. Like I don't know. Like, but no, no. It was Tugboat, and he was dressed in a ridiculous fur coat with a stormtrooper mask on. And they were fine with that, but no, because he fell on his fucking face on live TV, that's what killed the gimmick. No, I don't think so. So that was the whole thing. And then after that, they kind of repackaged him. They called him the Super Shock Master. And his whole gimmick was he was kind of a klutz. He would fall down or, you know, he would be in catering and he would knock the whole table over. And whoopsie daisy, like a Chris Farley, you know, he they, they kind of tried to book him like that. And, of course, that just went over like a fart in church and never caught wind. And Shockmaster just died a slow death like months later. He was just kind of became like a guy that wrestled like curtain jerker or mid Carter and never became anything. And that was it. He was done after that. Yeah, and you know, just just to give people an idea back, I mean, Shockmaster, who I, I think I think so, the Shockmaster, you know, the, when if you were younger and you saw him, you saw him as tugboat, you saw him do a lot of stuff with Hulk mm-hmm. um, back in WWF at the time. Uh, he was getting over, and he could move pretty good for a big man in there. He was he the guy could go, you know, and. He he could have had a promising career, and, and to be honest, he did have a promising career after he actually won the tag titles with uh, Tenta, who we also know has Earthquake, natural right? Natural disasters, baby. Yeah, the natural disasters, and they, he did have a very promising career. But that's why I always laugh that we always have that <laughs> that you think you think of him, you think of fucking Shockmaster just falling through a wall and losing that helmet and destroying every bit of momentum they had taking that Shockmaster situation even remotely seriously. Um, and, and, and just, just to your point where the, the, the reactions, the only person who held their character because he just uh, was Sid. Everyone else is like, what did they say? Oh, he fell on his arm. Right. Sid, you, if you go on the <laughs> network now, you hear Sid going, Oh God, Oh God. And he's laughing, but <laughs> they cut out. On the live broadcast, yeah. St- when he came crashing through and tripped and the helmet fell off, Stevie Ray on live TV goes, who is this motherfucker? <laughs> like, and which is fucking great. <laughs> and Davy Boy Smith, Davy Boy Smith goes, oh, God, he fell on his arse. Like, <laughs> they all said that on live TV. So they all completely forgot they were on live TV and they saw this jackass fall. And no offense against Fred Ottman. He was just doing what he was told. But his jackass comes falling through and his helmet flies off. And they're like, well, we're fucked anyway. Why don't we just break character and laugh? Like, I mean, that's I mean, what do you do? <laughs> like Sid, of all people, was the only one like just trying to trying to hold it together, but barely could. Like it just, it was so bad. It's just so WCW. And this was just two years later from the mm-hmm. Oz thing. Like they just couldn't like 
Like again, like <laughs> like I know I don't think Dusty was the main booker, but I'm gonna use his voice because it's, I just think of him, and it's just like okay. So we're going to bring him in and we're going to put a stormtrooper mask on him and he's going to crash through a wall. Kids love that crashing through walls like the Kool-Aid man, the Kool-Aid man. And it's like, okay, Dusty, fine, whatever you want. The only thing that could fuck us is if he falls down on his face when he crashes through the wall. But what are the chances of that happening? Crash. Like that's WCW in a nutshell. Like that's their whole like existence up until Bischoff kind of got on a roll and changed the the you know the the energy there like it's just so fucking funny like everything so, the only thing baby that will fuck up this shit is what is exactly is gonna happen and he's gonna fall on his dumb fucking face like that's exactly what happened and it's <laughs> no Oh, Jesus. These guys were paid big salaries, too. And they were, quote unquote, creative. And they were bookers. And, like, and just, it's so beautiful. Like, the, think of it. Before he fell, here was the, the story. We, what are we going to make this guy look like? Well, he's going to be, we'll call him the shock master because he's going to shock people. Okay, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But go on. Like, go on. I mean, we're all, Turner's not going to put us out of business. So go on. And Duffy's like, okay. And then we're going to have him look. Really cool, like how, uh, like a stormtrooper, like a fat stormtrooper. Oh, God, like a fat <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, so think of I'm just trying to think of the creative meaning, right? Like, let's get behind that, like, brain power. How the fuck is that possible? Like, every people, in, it's not like Vince, where Vince, you know, says something and people are like, Vince, you're a genius. How, oh, thank you. Like, it's not like that. This is. Anybody could raise their hand and be like, uh, Dusty, um, hi. Uh, and again, I, I don't remember if Dusty was the booker or not, but I'm just, for the sake of argument, he is in my mind. Like, uh, Dusty, uh, that's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard of. No, who would get in trouble for doing that? It's WCW. It's not like someone would be like, well, you're fired for that because here in WCW, we have strict standards and you do not do that. Like, no, no. Like, who's going to say that? Flair, anybody could have been like, um, that's really fucking dumb, Dusty. You're going to dip fucking in purple paint and glitter? Like, what are you doing? Like, no, people just let that shit run. And it's on top of that, it's going to debut live at Clash of Champions. Like, so. it's fucking... Just kept going. It kept. I, I I have to tell you, man. I'm I'm reading. I just read some of the comments on this uh, on the YouTube channel for that that it shows up on. This guy just writes, uh, "This is the holy grail of botcha mania. I will drink from this cup and laugh forever." Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> and then somebody says they pushed this guy so hard he fell. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's actually, you know, that is a really good comment. Yeah, and then it says, uh, "This is this is I like this one too." Well, if it isn't the Shockmaster's greatest foes, gravity and copyright infringement. <laughs> like, like how? How did we get away? Yeah, like, like uh, just, you're in the booking meeting, you're in the creative meeting. So, what do you got for us, Duffy? Okay, so the Wizard of Oz, like right when he said Wizard of Oz, people should have been like, N you know what? No, let's just not even do that. Let's not even. But instead, they're like. Yeah, let's totally do that, and let's spend more money on a costume and a big curtain and a welcome to Oz mask and dry ice and actors and monkeys with diapers on. Let's do all that. Like, or same thing with Shockmaster. Let's get a stormtrooper help from one of the biggest franchises in American history. Let's get a stormtrooper mask and dip it in paint and glitter. Like what? Like who stopped him? Like. It's the truth, man. The reason why WWF slash WWE has been so successful, and you can say what you want about the way it is now, 
But I mean, overall, the fact that this company went public, WWF, I'm oh, talking about, they went public, they're on the stock market. It's amazing like, how it's huge amazing. they are. It's getting billions of dollars, billions yeah. with a B of TV deals is because the book stopped with Vince. And no matter how dumb the character was, he was so good at production and kind of recovering from that shit that like just he made it all these years and made it mm. what it is. But WCF just couldn't like, there was not even the lowliest intern could go, um, Mr. Dusty. Yeah, go ahead, baby. Go ahead, intern. What you got to say? And you can't. I wouldn't do that. Like, nobody stood up and said, um, this is fucking dumb. Like, especially after you sold yourself and you got this job by saying, I came from that promotion. I have the rub. Uh, baby, I know what how to make stars now from being up there. I, uh, I'll read this last comment and we'll end it with this when it comes to the Shockmaster. And this is what somebody wrote. The best part is, even if he hadn't botched the entire gimmick within half a second, it still would have been terrible. This right. was actually the best possible outcome. It would have just been sad and stupid. But now, it's legendary. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> it is. So, it just is. It's so right, whoever wrote that comment. And, and, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's just, it's just such a great way to look at it. We wouldn't be talking about these items if they hadn't failed so miserably. And there, nothing fails more miserably than the Shockmaster. So, guys, I got to tell you, that that's our episode about uh, overhyped and failed gimmicks. You guys have anything to add before we move on to uh, – we got a little surprise for Jess, by the way. He doesn't even know what's going to happen right now. So I don't uh, like the sound of that. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, I, don't so, get, I don't know how it could get any worse than Oz or the Shockmaster, but I well, have a are going to achieve that. It may just get worse for you, and that, that that's <laughs> fine. So, you know, because uh, you have anything to add before we get into your little surprise for, uh, for Jesse Pooh over here? Shockmaster. All right. Well, there you go. There's your. That's, that's your. <laughs> good night, everybody. No. All right. So let, let, let just tell you a little bit about what you know, guys. I got to tell you something. You know, we're finally starting to get these episodes off the ground. We're feeling pretty comfortable. Hopefully, you're enjoying them. Uh, but I have to tell you that <laughs> we did a lot of practice before we actually started to get into these episodes and get the final cuts and and things that we really wanted to talk about. And what we started to realize is that. One thing, not too many people want to hear us talk about current wrestling because there's a lot of stuff like that, a lot of things out there. And you may still hear some of that because it is quite entertaining sometimes because we do get pretty heated. It gets pretty it gets pretty insane. And it goes without saying that, that I'm pretty sure Jess gets pretty heated. You can hear him hitting his microphone about five times a minute when he gets pretty upset and gets pretty animated over there. Um, you know, and that's no, uh, no different in this episode. However, uh, what Jess didn't realize, uh, is that all those dark match rants, we call them dark, we call them dark sessions, by the way, dark matches, if you will. Uh, they've all been recorded. Uh, and cuz has every bit of that recording, uh, laid down in his no, lab. I knew they were recorded, but I, I knew they were recorded. We'll all, all, on, all, on, all on, I know, you know, but I, I don't think you thought we were going to use them against your will. So, <laughs> uh, just to lay the backstory, uh, Cousin and I were really excited about a particular vignette, uh, cut promo, shoot promo, whatever you want to call it, with Samoa Joe when they it was set up really well <laughs> with Jeff Hardy. Oh, fuck yeah, you. yeah, you're yeah, you're in trouble, bro. And I, I gotta tell you, so me and Cousin were talking about like, that, that was really that was amazing. That, that was that was the closest thing to a shoot promo I've seen in a long time. Joe's amazing, and, and just like, yeah, yeah, he's amazing, but but you know what. 
You know, the, you know, there's only one problem with that, and he just starts yelling at us it. like, "You book Samoa Joe's to lose every week." Ladies and gentlemen, and fans of our wrestling podcast, may I have your attention as I introduce to you the segment in which Dave was referring to. The following segment is from the vaults of our recorded episodes of the Dark Match Sessions. Which also makes my point. There's no reason to have that match. That doesn't help. That definitely always puts one person on the opposite side where they have to go back to their brand and crawl on over and be a douchebag. But we we talked about that inside now. Change it up a little bit. Uh, Cousin and I talked about this last night a little bit on the on the on Discord, Jess. Did you catch the Samoa Joe um, uh, rant on SmackDown on Tuesday? Yeah, uh, it's fucking great. You did? God I, damn! I went crazy. and back and watched it. Joe Joe's a fucking beast and a genius, and whoever wrote it—if someone had to write it for him—I don't know, but SmackDown, I mean, man. <laughs> but I don't know I'm why just, they. This is the thing. I'm going to be negative again about all this all it. day long. Do it. Because, because the, the talent of Samoa Joe is undeniable. He's always been talented for a, a year. Sure. And he, mm-hmm. should, he should have been on the main stage a long time ago. But the fact that they write stuff like that after they book him to lose clean every week, it just shows how fucking dumb they are. Like, it just, it's not clever. It's not like... Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the writer got a pat on the back that week, and wow, like, Joe really got your words that you wrote down for him, and he translated them. What a great job, writer. Great job, Mick Foley, son. Great job. Like, and then, Ooh. that's great. That's that's all great. Great job for producing that segment, Dustin, or Road Dog or whoever the fuck did it. But uh, one small problem. You booked Samoa Joe to lose every week! Like, so <laughs> what does it matter? What does it matter? It's like, Bray what he Wyatt says, effect. like, and it, it, it's it would be different if he won a little bit, and then he could win when it matters to keep his character strong. That's pro wrestling. That's good writing. But he loses every fucking week. Like whether it's to Shinsuke, whether which was months ago, whether it's to uh, AJ. Yeah, I'm like, now. whoa, bro! Like settle the fuck down. We we're just talking over here, you know. Like it, it, he's just he's, and he just goes off on this rant for like five minutes of me because we're just kind of like muting our mics and giggling in the background. And I had no idea, uh, man. Cause hopefully you can you can bring it up now, because 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 I'm pretty sure this is gonna be our intro song going forward. So if if you just want to roll that whenever you're ready, that would be fan fucking tastic. You're damn right. And here we go. Just sure is a riot. 
having a meltdown over the poor booking decisions of Samoa Joe in the WWE. That song was made from that soundbite, which was pulled from the segment you heard in this episode of our wrestling podcast. We pulled that segment from the vaults of the dark match sessions. Hey, what's up there, buds? This is Cuz, by the way, with Our Wrestling Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, Overhyped and Failed Gimmicks. And I hope you've already listened to and enjoyed episode one, What Got Us Into Professional Wrestling and the Times We Met Professional Wrestlers. If you are a fan of these podcasts, please subscribe to Our Wrestling Channel on YouTube. Stay notified, and you will know when the next episode comes out, which will be next week, actually. Episode three, This Is China. So join us as we go over the career and life of China. But if you are like me and my friends, a lot of us like to listen to podcasts while we're on the go or at work. And, you know, sometimes we have the uh, the limitations of data's connection. Uh-huh. And because of that, we also have a SoundCloud channel. So create a SoundCloud account. It's free. Download the app. It's free. I am making all the episodes that we put on SoundCloud as well available for free offline download. That gives you the ability to have it on the go so you don't have to be restricted to leaving your phone screen on just so you can play it on youtube so download the soundcloud app subscribe to our wrestling podcast or if you prefer youtube subscribe to our wrestling channel and until next time this is cuz with our wrestling podcast